you are tuned into another episode of the Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. How's everybody doing? You know, still going on through quarantine. I, I know some states and some essential businesses are starting to come back. For myself, personally, one of my jobs, my second job, uh, it's an office job that deals with uh, collector products and sports memorabilia. Not to get too much into it, but we just recently went back this past Monday on the 4th. And so I know slowly things are starting to open back up, which can be good for some people. It can be scary for other people. I know I'm a little timid and worried about it, about a second wave hitting, especially here in Orange County. And I'm sure if you are in Orange County or you're living in the state of California, you've heard about the news, whether it was Huntington Beach last weekend or the city of Orange, the the city that I currently live in. What was it last Monday? The not even it was the last weekend of April, so the last Monday of April. There was protests and huge gatherings, and so it seems like people in Orange County, at least in a particular part of Orange County, not not uh, gonna name any you know drop names or races or anything, but it seems like a particular part of Orange County is pretty upset with this whole quarantine life. Nonetheless, I hope you guys are remaining safe out there. Hoping you guys are continuing to work on new hobbies, uh, pick up old hobbies that you may have left. And just continue to, you know, push for a side hustle, guys. I hope I hope you guys use this time to create, whether it's, like I said, via YouTube channel to create a podcast or just, you know, find some time to really just dive deep into self-care, self-love. You know, I, I try not to talk too much about that in my journey, but I think it is important to share that I really, really, really struggled for pretty much 23, 24 years of my life on how to take care of myself and how to love myself and do things for myself and occasionally now and then treat yourself. So I think I'm starting to learn that finally as a 25 year old. And, you know, this was definitely a good time for me during the quarantine and during when both my jobs were currently um, in limbo and I wasn't sure where I was going to do. I really hit that really hard and I encourage you guys to do something similar. Like I said, it, it, I do the podcast, I painted, I took up uh, photography, I fixed my bike and started riding my bike around more the city more. But it could be something completely different for you guys. Just just find ways to pass the time and, and stimulate your brain. And like I said, self-care, self-love, most important thing. Continue to have and strive for success in this year 2020. Now, before we get things rolling, did want to mention and thank Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check out more of his work at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. You can also follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Just search up generic sports, no tricky spelling or underscores. Also, shout out to my man Vince Correa for designing the Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. He also helps out a ton with the Mike and I Instagram page. If you're on Instagram, be sure to go give that page a follow at my period Mike and period I. I have a lot of fun doing the synopsis videos and just trying to make that a really interactive podcast page. Also, just putting a little bit more of the stuff that I've been doing too during quarantine, some workouts as well as some some like videos and time lapses of me cooking. So yeah, just trying to make it more of like a, a blog and kind of hope to inspire some some of my listeners via that platform. Also, too, really quick, I, I did want to share, usually I've been doing it on the outros of shows, but really quickly, go check out Phoenix Fit, it's spelled F-N-X-F-I-T.com, and man, it's a, it's a great supplement website, it's a great supplement brand, and they do have a lot of fitness clothes and athletic clothes, but they do have a lot of great fitness sub- supplements. And so fitness has always been a big part of my life. I played a lot of sports in high school and growing up, and I like to stay in shape. They have a variety of different proteins, creatines, workout um, 
work, work, workout recoveries, BCAAs, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But the, the beautiful thing and the reason why I was so quick to hop on board with them and be an ambassador for them is that every purchase you make, they donate one gallon of water to someone in need across the globe. So it's not just in a particular country or in the United States, it's across the globe through their live program. So definitely be sure to go check it out. That's www.phoenixfit, spelled F-N-X-F-I-T.com. And if you use promo code MyMikeAndI with the letter N, so MyMike, the letter N-I, you can get 15% off on any purchase on that website. So be sure to go check out phoenixfit.com. Boom. So that being said, now let's go ahead and hop into episode 104, guys. 104, man. I just, like, when every time I say 100 and blank, man, that just that sounds kind of chills down my spine. It's, it's been about just over a year, actually, since I rebranded this podcast as the My Mike and I podcast and been kind of changing it up to have where I have these guests to talk about different aspects of life and their journeys. And so, man, it's, it's been a really fun journey. Thanks for being a part of this. But episode 104 features a very talented and insightful individual by the name of Chewy Wadens. Now, Chewy, I actually met, I actually haven't met him in person. He actually lives in Northern California uh, in a city very close to Santa Rosa, if you're familiar with that area of Northern California. It's up in Sonoma County. But I met him through one of his podcasts. He hosts the Palarasa podcast. And you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcast platforms. I started listening to a few of his shows, and I really like the message he's putting out there. So I hit him up just via Instagram, slid into his DMs. Uh, funny how that works. And, you know, I had him on the show. And, man, when I tell you, we have a really insightful conversation about a variety of different things. We talk about his life as being an undocumented individual in the United States, as well as why he started the podcast and a ton more. So without further ado... Hope you enjoy the conversation between Chewy and myself. So tell me about your inspiration behind La Raza podcast. So pretty much I grew up, uh, you know, Chicano. I was obviously born in Mexico, but, um, you know, growing up here in my, in my neighborhood and stuff and having like high school friends, I think uh, what got me motivated was like, as soon as I hit senior year, I started, you know, noticing all the effects that were going to hit me back, like, towards the future and stuff, you know, uh, being myself, uh, undocumented and, uh, you know, not really having a goal for me after high school. It was kind of just like, I got to go to community college. I got to make something out of myself. You know, I didn't really have like the th- thought of like, you know, cause a lot of the, at the time, a lot of my friends were getting, uh, like acceptance letters to like big universities and stuff, you know? And, you know, they would ask me like, where are you going to go? And I would be like, well, community college is the closest thing here, you know? At the time, I didn't even, like, have a driver's license or anything. I didn't drive a car. So I was, like, less fortunate than everybody else. But um, what really got me motivated to, um, you know, start, like, this podcast was to provide a space for a lot of our people, specifically, like, black and brown individuals who, you know, I want to give a chance for them to share their story and put it out there with, like, uttermost respect. And, you know, there's always boundaries to that. I don't want to just, uh, you know, tell a person to tell their story and then, you know, it's kind of like disrespectful in a way for them, you know? So, um, you know, most of it was just kind of like wanting to give back to my community. I've been living here in the same neighborhood for pretty much all my life. And I've seen, you know, the ugly, I've seen the good. So it just kind of like comes and goes, you know, the motivation was here at one point and I'm not going to lie. There was times where I was like, you know, there's not really like, there's no, like, I didn't see like the goal at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it was hard for me to just keep the ball rolling and, 
you know, slowly but surely I've been, you know, kind of working on it. A lot of it is like new to myself. I've never really had to deal with like a bunch of computer stuff and editing and all that. And, you know, just getting the microphone was like a huge thing for me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was mostly about um, also getting like the stereotypes out of the way, you know, um, I feel like in our community, there's a lot of like negative stereotypes that just put labels on everybody. And so I th at one point I thought, well, by me sharing my story about how I grew up in a neighborhood influenced by gangs and stuff and coming from an undocumented family, I was able to reach out to individuals that maybe were the same or they, you know, you know, experienced the same, um, you know, tragedies and stuff like that. And, you know, so far I've gotten like positive feedback about it, you know, um, there are times where, you know, certain people have reached out to me and say like, you shouldn't be saying this and that, like. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's my story, you know, it's pretty much who, who, what shaped me in for, you know, who I am today. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it feels good to be able to reach out to people who, you know, they don't, they don't feel like they're accepted in different places. Um, it's definitely put like, uh, put me out there more than what I thought. Uh, but so far it's been good, you know, everything that the podcast is about is for the people and it's just giving back to the community that watched me grow up, mm -hmm. um, giving out, giving back to like my culture and stuff. And yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. What I really, what really drew me to your podcast too, is there, there's very few Latinos in media, right? There's very few Latinos telling other Latino stories and all kinds of platforms. And that's why I like podcasts because, you know, a friend of mine actually pretty recently in a recording, he told me, the revolution will not be televised and you know basically saying that like revolution is not going to be televised onto the main channels the you know cbs abc's but it's going to be on platforms like this podcast youtube um, other stuff you know more independent radios that kind of thing and so what you know really drew me to your podcast is it's it's an actual individual because i listen to a few different podcasts a few different npr podcasts and i, I think they're great but I think they have like yeah. one Latino, she's a Latina. Uh, I think her name is Sarai Gonzalez. She does a great job, but she's the only like, you know, Hispanic rep uh, reporter on the NPR team. So sometimes when they do report things on that topic, it's like a lot of outsiders talking about uh, a topic that doesn't really hit close to home like it does to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I was, uh, you know, the first episode just telling my story and stuff, I was nervous. You know, you could tell in the recording that my voice was shaking and stuff just because um you know i grew up uh i guess you can say like i wasn't allowed to really show my emotion you know and a lot of time it was because of like that whole like machismo thing mm -hmm. and so you know to this day people see that as a weak really care um the thing that i see is like we're all human you know we're we should all be able to express our emotions and feelings in a way that you know it can be accepted by other people but, um, you know, there are going to be people out there that are hating about, you know, this and that, that, you know, say negative things. And at this point in my life, I'm just like, you know, get over and move on. Like, it shouldn't really affect me. You know, back then I would be like, well, you know, like, why? Why are you saying this to me? You know, mm -hmm. or I would sh I would just like shut down. But, you know, um, the thing of uh, like a lot of the times I, I do listen to other podcasts as well. And, um, you know, that's where I get like the motivation to uh, come up with certain topics like through my own views, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of the, the other podcasts, uh, just like yours have motivated me to kind of dig out like ideas that aren't really talked about and to just bring them to light and see like, you know, we're actually talking about this 
this this issue is actually real and um, we shouldn't be afraid to speak about it you know mm-hmm. what but, are some of those other podcasts that really inspired you to pick up a mic and do your own so there's another one called um Barrio voices by uh, arturo i think that's one of the first ones that i uh was able to like actually tune in and like you know he really grabbed my attention by relating a lot of the time to what he was going through and uh you know those like negative stuff that uh you know unfortunately happened in his life and uh you know there was an episode where i think uh you know you could feel the emotion you can like just feel the emotion on the mic you know of him telling the story when uh his mom like uh you know he had recently gotten in trouble i think and his mom and, and dad like came in the room and they were telling him like you know we have you your back and all this and that and that like uh that just reached out to me you know because at the time like I guess it's just like a different type of content that like really gets to you, you know, it like hits home mm-hmm. in a way that uh, like you can't really explain, like you get emotional, like you get like flashbacks of like your own life. But um, man, it's just been, it's been a trip for real. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've tuned into you a couple episodes of yours and, you know, they've reached out to the same topic, you know, that uh, gets me thinking about life and stuff. And, and there's a lot of people out there that you've interviewed that I'm like, dang, like, I would have wish I would have had like a, like a uh, interview with them, you know. And um, there's another podcast that's called the the Hip Hop Podcast, mm. and uh, it's run by um, by an individual. I think is is Brown Six Nine, I think. And um, you know, he interviews a lot of like, say, uh, people who are into like the the hip hop like um, you know realm that are, have dealt with music that have dealt with uh, you know acting as like chicano uh actors and stuff like that and so uh, that really brought to my attention how important like it is for us to put people that look like us just you know out there like on our tv screens and stuff because uh you know we grew up with you know seeing people from different colors that weren't us you know so that really grabs my attention and it also provides like the younger youth like giving them the opportunity to see that you know, someone that looks like them is out there, you know, making a difference and it's, it's all for the greater good. You know, it's always like, we always have in mind of just getting back to our community, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think, I think that word you're looking for is relatable, right? Like if you hear someone else's story, they come from a similar background. I, I mean, I know you uh, listening to a previous episode, you're also the first, the oldest son right of a mexican household yeah so i know the pressures that come with that and some of the things that you would talk about machismo you mentioned it earlier too i'm and plain and simple like i never really communicated with my parents especially my dad you know feelings wasn't a thing it was a lot of violence it was a lot of yeah. verbal discussion or verbal arguments but you know it was always a tough environment to be around because not only so much the lack of communication but they put a lot of pressure on you did you feel a lot of pressure when you were growing up being the oldest of your family no, most definitely. And I think, uh, no, even, even like to this day, I see a lot of the pressure, uh, you know, even though I'm not like, you know, cause I have a sister who's 18 and, you know, I have a younger little brother and a little sister too, but, um, growing up, it was hard because, uh, I had to learn if, like, if you were to ask me about my childhood, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you like a lot of it just because, uh, you know, having, you know, grown up undocumented with undocumented parents, it was kind of like uh, I always had to be there at every single point in day and time for my parents, you know, like whether it was to go to the bank, to go shopping, to go, you know, to the to the Burger King or whatever, you know, it was like I had to be there for them to be able to 
you know, complete their duties pretty much. And so growing up, I kind of learned to just mature, like out of the blue, you know, um, I just had to, you know, there were certain times where my parents were asking me to translate stuff. And to be honest, there was vocabulary that I would just make up because that was like the easiest way to communicate with them, you know, mm -hmm. for them to be able to understand. But, um, you know, growing up, I, I, I would have wished I had like a role model to look up to, you know, um, an inspiration or like somebody that guided me to like the right path. I'm not saying my parents weren't like really bad people and stuff because, you know, I have a huge respect for them and what they've done for me. But, um, you know, it, it does suck when you're the oldest because you got to kind of do everything on your own. You got to kind of adventure and, you know, it's kind of like a hit or miss sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, for example, like I grew up listening to, you know, Mexican music most of my life. And so once I hit high school, I started hanging out with my friends and stuff. And they're like, have you heard like this song? And I'm just like, no, dude, like I've never heard this song or whatever, you know. So there was like a barrier right there where I felt like I didn't really belong. And so uh, there was times where, like, they would ask me, like, you know, play some music or whatever, and I'll be like, nah, like, I'll pass. Because I knew, like, it was like, there was a moment of, like, me being ashamed of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, not realizing that, like, you know, I was able to, like, express myself freely because I knew that I was going to get judged. But um, there's been a lot of ups and downs, definitely. Um, my sister she's totally the different opposite of me. I, uh, you know, pretty much, uh, had to go through high school by myself. You know, I try to be there for her as much as possible. And, um, you know, I guess people just kind of take their own way. Um, you know, unfortunately she didn't graduate high school and she didn't even, uh, like complete her GED and stuff like that, you know? Dang. So it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking, you know, it takes a toll on you knowing that you're the oldest sibling trying to set an example and, you know, most of the time you're just like, what did I do wrong? You know, like, where did I mess up? And, but yeah, I mean, it just gets tough. Like, there's a lot of uh, questioning you do to yourself and there's mm -hmm. no answers sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's I, been I, tough. Yeah. I was, I have a sister, she's two years younger, but I can relate because we were very opposite people. And I, I always felt like growing up, the oldest kind of get the, the toughest parenting. And I felt like, you know, we're only two years apart, but I felt like my parents are always just a little bit more lenient with her. Like she could, she had a later curfew. She could go out a little bit more in high school. And I was like the one that was kind of a little bit more caged in. And it's crazy to see how different we are though as adults. And I think, you know, I think they were struck with her from such a young age, but she kind of just, where I was like kind of a yes sir, no sir kind of person. She was a little different. She didn't respond to that well. So maybe that's why they leaned up, lenient or more lenient around her. But I mean, she really mm -hmm. didn't pursue the, she finished high school and everything, but she didn't really pursue college like I did. And, you know, that was always something my parents stressed in our household because they hadn't ever had that opportunity to do something like that. Right. Um, so, you know, they always pushed college, school, education, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I guess sometimes I felt like I was living my life for them because that's what they wanted to do. And I'm, I'm grateful I was able to go to college and not so much. I did focus on the books. I got good grades, good enough grades. But I focus on like the relationships and networks and just different opportunities outside of the classroom and just try and really discover where what I wanted to do. Because for a long time, I think my parents wanted me to head this direction. And I felt myself, you know, wanting to go that way. And it was a, it's a struggle, right? You're butting heads. I mean, even with my hair, I just started recently growing it out because 
for like the longest time when I was a kid, my, my mom always wanted my hair short and she would, even now she still some, <laughs> sometimes makes remarks like, Oh, you need to cut your hair. Like I need to cut your hair. Like I'm yeah. gonna, when you're sleeping, I'm going to come and just cut it. And it's like, no, nah, this is me. Like I, I want <laughs> yeah, my hair exactly. long, you know? So it's just that internal battle wanting to be yourself, but also trying to, you know, please other people sometimes. Yeah. I mean, one of the things you mentioned was, uh, like your college experience, it was kind of like you were doing it for your parents. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like uh, what I've, you know, kind of gained from my college experience too. And so um, it was kind of, there was a point where, uh, you know, my parents were like, you know, aren't you going to keep going to school? Like there was a time where I actually dropped the class because I just, I couldn't keep up with it, you know? And so uh, me and my mom had like a discussion about it. And she was like, you can't be doing this. Like, you know, you got to, you know, stay in college and stuff like that because it's going to get you somewhere in life. And I told her, I was like, do you even know, like, uh, why I'm going to school for, you know, I, I had, you know, asked my parents several times and uh, they were like, no, like, what are you going to school for? And then I was like, you see, you don't even know, like, what I'm, you know, putting my effort into and you still expect me to just, you know, be in college and stuff, which was kind of hard to, like, accept that, you know, that response she gave me. And, uh, you know, I told her, like, I'm I'm doing this for you, but I'm also doing it mostly for myself, you know, just because um I know that what you have gone through is, you know, nothing that I would want to go through, you know, and if I could give you the whole world, I would give it to you, you know, within an instant. And just just like my dad, you know, like I tell him, uh, you know, I'm actually majoring in uh, Chicano Latino studies to be a history teacher. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been hard. I've been in a community college for four years now you know, and it's been up and down. It's not been easy for me. And, uh, you know, a lot of the time it's because I guess I don't really reach out to the help that I need that is actually like there for me mm-hmm. because I have a hard time, like, you know, uh, concentrating and stuff like that. But even at home, like I don't really get like the help that I would want, you know, to get. And so that's what makes it difficult. And so, um, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's it's in the end i i know that there's going to be a, a greater accomplishment you know like this is something that i've been wanting to do for a while and if i didn't want to do it then i wouldn't be putting the effort in for it you know mm-hmm. but it's going to be all worth it in the end and you know uh you know i'm just hoping for that one day to you know make my parents proud and actually like uh put myself out there for you know what i actually want to do in life so mm-hmm. what inspired you to major in chicano studies uh just wanting to learn about my, my culture mostly uh, I grew up in, you know, not being able to really learn about where I come from or where, uh, you know, I descend from. And, you know, all through high school, I was kind of looking for that one class that would teach me a little bit, like just a little bit about my culture, you know, but it wasn't possible. And so, you know, the little knowledge you would get, it was just kind of like, uh, like, for example, Cesar Chavez led the Huelga and stuff like that. Like, that was the only thing you would get out of the books, you know. So a lot of the knowledge that I've gained has actually been like self, self-taught, you know, self-educated. And, uh, you know, I spent hours, you know, looking at documentaries, reading newspapers, uh, reading books, you know, just to be able to gain that knowledge that I wish I would have had, like someone give me or, you know, teach me. And it's kind of like my purpose in life, you know, I kind of want to be like that one person that, uh, you know, gives the youth the knowledge that, you know, I would have wished someone would have gave me and, you know, just pass on like that torch of, uh, you know, positivity going around, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, unfortunately something that, you know, a lot of us aren't really exposed to our culture. And if we are, we're told 
of our culture like in a totally different way you know and it's just not right you know it's better to just uh i guess learn it like yourself and obviously there's other you know individuals out there that will give you knowledge and feedback mm-hmm. but yeah yeah because i think a lot of our culture gets kind of brushed over I, I remember taking a history class it was a, every every chance i took whether it was community college or at sac state I always try to take a history class as an elective if I needed some elective units to fill the, the, some unit void, right? But um, I remember one of my history professors, mm-hmm. she told me, history is I was always told in the victor, right? Like there's always usually two sides to a story, but it's usually the, the person who won a battle or a war. Um, and this was like a Greek history professor. She told me that. And I was like, oh, like, that's pretty dope. It makes sense. So I remember I, t- I took like a history of Mexico class, not really knowing what to expect. And, you know, one, it was like an older white lady teaching it. So I was already kind of like, I walked in the classroom first day and I was kind of like, man, you know, like, but she was actually pretty knowledgeable. She, you know, put us onto some really good literature. And I learned a lot about the Aztec and Mayan culture. And, you know, I had uncles that were tatted and, and, you know, they had Mayan and Aztec tattoos. And it was always kind of present in my childhood or in my upbringing, but I never really understood that. Right. Cause like you, yeah in at least in high school and in middle school when they talk about native americans and and especially like aztecs and mayans they just talk about oh there were these kind of like savage creatures that you know did really bad not really bad things but they did things a different way and you know the europeans came over and colonized to save them and bring over catholicism and it's like yeah it's a bunch of bs because that's that's their point of view right and so it was really Mm -hmm. cool to learn and understand, you know, history of Mexico, going back to the Olmecs, what they were about as as much as we know now and going on to the Aztecs, the Mayans, the differences between the two and other little pockets of Mexico and you know, other little civilizations of what they were accustomed to. And so it was, it was really cool to understand that because in a history high school class, I mean, you're getting, like you said, Cesar Chavez, you know, the Aztecs lost to, uh, what was his name? Cortez, right? The Spaniard. <laughs> yeah. And and that's yeah. kind of it, you know, so that that's pretty much all, you know, as a kid growing up and, you know, but there is more history. Right. And I always wondered that as a kid, I was always curious, like, like there had to be something going on in Mexico before, you know, Spaniards come. Like, I know there was, you know. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, it kind of brought me like, uh, you know, all this knowledge kind of brought me like empowerment. You know, it was a time uh, where I was like, well, now I know this. So, like, if somebody were to, you know, talk about stuff, uh, if they're wrong about it, like I can call them out, you know. It was kind of like, uh, it just gave you like that sense of like power, I guess, you know, having that mindful, uh, knowledge in your, in your, not in your head and stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, walking into a Chicano studies class, uh, for me, fortunately, the teacher was Mexican and she came from Mexico to teach here in the United States, you know, which I think is like a huge, like, you know, privilege. And, um, but just the way like she taught things, it was kind of like, okay, I under, I understand it. I get it. And, uh, you know, it was just like, I've never uh, been able to know a lot about this. But now that I do, it's like something that I'm actually going to take and like, you know, uh, save my notes about it. So in the future, uh, you know, I can I can talk about it as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, high school was a uh, high school was pretty uh, was pretty easy for me. It wasn't much of a of a hassle, but um, the whole like not getting to know know about like where I came from and stuff it was kind of like it was a bummer um there was a like for example there was projects that we would do in class and stuff and I would I would always implement like my culture and stuff and people would probably think like oh like you're crazy or something like why would you do this This is totally irrelevant to the topic but 
you know, for me, it was like, I want to get that sense to people out there that like, I really care about like my heritage and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. What's, what's like the demographic like in Windsor, in the city of Windsor? It's pretty much mixed. Uh, I'd say like uh, half Latino, half, half uh, white. Um, but, uh, you know, just there's certain neighborhoods where it's all Latinos. It's all uh, like Mexican family here and stuff. And there are areas where it's mostly a uh, majority white. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of divided half, half and half. Okay. Yeah. So I also want to go back to your podcast because I know on every show you do a rose and thorn segment, usually at the beginning. What inspired you to do that, that specific segment and why'd you name it that? So um, during high school, I think it was like around my junior, senior year, I, I, uh, I joined a, uh, an organization called the Latino Student Congress. And so um, it was a bunch of like uh, student leaders who met like at the end of the month, once a month to discuss like topics that were going on around their schools and stuff and how we could uh, support each other and like wanting to push like a vote or something, you know, for the school district or something. And so at the beginning of each meeting, they would do like uh, a gift and a baggage or something like that, you know? And so it was kind of like a rose and a thorn, which in a way is like a rose is like you're talking about something positive that's been happening to you lately, something that you've like looked forward to. And on the other hand, it's like a thorn, like something negative that's been going on lately. You know, maybe you're going through like a hardship or you're not uh you know doing too well with your folks or something so it was kind of like a way to be able to check in with each other and uh you know try to be there for other people as well and i think it's uh i mean what's more important than uh self-reflection you know because a lot of the times i feel like a lot of people suffer in silence Mm -hmm. and so um it's important to be able to check in with each other and actually know like what someone's going through so that's why i did that segment it was kind of like uh it was kind of like an icebreaker you know Mm-hmm. Kind of just like set the mood and, you know, get the conversation rolling. But yeah. yeah. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to kind of vocalize, whether it is through speech or write down your emotions. Like right after college, I really got into just writing down my feelings. So I think as a kid, I stored a lot of anger. And a lot of times I would lash out at certain things that weren't even necessarily what I was angry at, but it just happened to be that thing that set me off, right? You're like a ticking time bomb and eventually you're going to blow yeah. up. But so, you know, writing things down, whether you're like super angry at the moment, whether you're super sad at the moment, I found it to be like very therapeutical. And that's why I really, you know, enjoyed that Rose and Thorn thing, too, because you're just able to, you know, vocalize how you're feeling. And that sometimes can be just like a huge stress reliever. You know, you kind of just like, you know, lay back in your chair a little bit and kind of, you know, go on with the rest of your day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, I haven't really uh, interviewed a lot of people, but the people that I have, I can see a sense in them that like uh in a way it's kind of helping them you know mm-hmm. uh you know for example one of my homies I was able to sit down and uh, interview him and it was something that like gave him the opportunity to just like reflect on on how much of a success he's been putting in in his work you know mm-hmm. how much of a student he's become and like where he's gone to the point where uh, he can feel proud of himself and you know actually uh, you know, be able to accomplish more in, in his mind. So it kind of like, uh, you know, I'm happy I'm able to be able to, in a way, help other individuals. And, um, you know, a lot of the work that I've been doing is kind of like just to reach out to those people who are like, say, still in the shadows, you know, scared to speak up about issues or uh, they feel like left out of conversations. 
But um, it's just been about incorporating everybody at once, you know, kind of coming together as one and uh, letting people know that they're not alone, you know? Mm-hmm. So going back to your, the stuff that you've learned in Chicano studies through different classes, I've seen you post a lot of stuff on Instagram, whether it's about the Aztecs, the Mayans, or just different things that you've learned in that class. What are, what are some of the cooler things about your culture that you maybe didn't know before you took those classes that you are really excited to know about now? So I think there's a variety of things, you know, and it kind of clashes with my beliefs with my parents and stuff, you know, um, say for example, like religion and stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, they, they have been sugarcoated throughout our, you know, upbringing as, as children and stuff and teens. And um, I've had the opportunity to be in classes with professors who kind of speak about like what actually happened, you know? And so uh, it kind of clashes with like uh, the the religion that I grew up, which was Catholic. And, uh, you know, the whole like the Virgen de Guadalupe is not real and this and that, you know, and like the clash with like the, the Spaniards and stuff, bringing in like Catholicism to like, you know, save the natives and stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I've expressed that in front of my parents. And at the same time, I tell them, like, hey, you know what, like, I truly, like, respect your beliefs, you know, like, don't hate me for what I'm about to say. But, like, this is what I think, you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there are times where, like, it gets kind of, like, intense. And, uh, you know, I kind of, like, tell my mom, like, well, this is what I've been taught. This is what, like, some of the things that actually have happened and you know, sadly enough, it's it's sad to say that a lot of our people kind of just pushed like the real history aside because, you know, they tell me either, you know, these are new times that we're living in, you know, things have changed. And, I, you know, I understand things have changed, but uh, the history is still there, you know, the impact is still there. But um, it's just, it's crazy to think about like how my parents grew up and how I'm, I'm growing up now because they grew up in like a traditional Mexican household, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my mom and dad got married at a late age, you know, I think 26 or 27 years old. And uh, from there, it was like, you know, all traditional. Mm-hmm. And so for me, kind of expressing, you know, all these other things that I have experienced through my childhood and, you know, being hearing from friends here and there and family is totally different from what my parents have gone through. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, learning a lot about things uh, definitely puts a barrier on family and stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes traditionalists can be very stuck in their own ways, right? Like it's hard to get to them. It's hard to not even so much to turn them progressive or, you know, but just to open them to new ways of thinking, it can be a little challenging for them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want, I, I'm, sorry, go ahead. No, I'll say you go ahead and continue. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say, uh, it's just hard. Like uh, there are things where I try to like get my parents to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And for them, it's like, well, you're not really going to do anything about it. Like, you can't really change anything. But, you know, my my uh, way of thinking is totally different from theirs. And, you know, I can explain a lot of things to them many times. And I just know that they're not going to understand. Like, you know, they're not going to change their mind. So I just kind of, like, let it settle and, you know, just keep doing what I do. So. Mm-hmm. so I know you were born in Guanajuato. Your parents moved you over here at a very young age. What was the some of the challenges of just growing up in a new country, also growing up undocumented, and just some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so I came over with my parents when I was two years old, 
born in uh, the state of Michoacan, actually, because that's where the, okay. the nearest hospital was next to Guanajuato. Okay. And so um, I was born in, in, the, in the state right over. But my parents come from a little rural, like, uh, ranch. And so, uh, you know, everybody from the, from the community there had pretty much made the journey to come to the United States. And, you know, I'm having my parents heard about, you know, a lot of stories of, you know, people actually, you know, at the time it was like, people are getting jobs over here, you know, making money to send back to their families and stuff. And so uh, my parents actually were the only ones that crossed the border. I think with like, it's, uh, my dad told me that at the time there was like, the time they crossed, it was like around, there was around like 40, 40 people altogether in a whole group, you know, it was men, women, and children. But um, I was actually, you know, I was in a car that passed through the, through the, through the border wall with someone else's papers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, coming over here at a young age, I, I can't tell you like that. I remember anything. Like I really can't remember like what happened at the time. I think the earliest like memory of my childhood was like when I hit like kindergarten here because, uh, I met friends there, you know, Mm -hmm. there was friends that, uh, really had a huge impact on me. And to this day, like I still consider them like my friends, you know, more than, more than family now, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was hard, you know, we had a, there were certain things that we couldn't really do growing up. Uh, for example, we came here to California and we settled in Santa Rosa first with another family from the same place that we were from in Mexico. And, you know, just having to share that one apartment with, uh, with another family was a struggle, you know, being able to divide things separately, whether it was food, uh, you know, having to clean our clothes, you know, gas money or whatever, it was mm-hmm. difficult, you know? And so, um, there were times where we, it was like the weekend or whatever, and we couldn't go outside just because of the fear of immigration being out there, you know? And, um, we would go to the stores to get food or, you know, buy clothes. And there were certain times where like people would announce on the radio, like, you know, watch out, like immigration is out here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you could just imagine the amount of fear that we, it would bring on us. And so for most of the time, it was kind of just like uh, growing up with that family that we had settled in for a while, you know, uh, starting like friendships there and uh, creating a few friends around the neighborhood. And then after that, we decided to move and, you know, split uh, with the family there. And we relocated down in uh, Ronan Park. And so uh, that's around here in Sonoma County, too. And so uh, we found our own apartment and stuff. And that's when I started going to, I think, preschool. And for a few years, I was going through through preschool and stuff. And it was cool. Like, I really didn't complain about it. Uh, I remember, like, waking up every morning and walking, like, the back trails to get to school, which was like a, a little trail, you know. It was like a little adventure before school or whatever. And so it was kind of cool to just kind of walk with my mom and, uh, you know, experience that uh, moment of like just nature there, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, later on, we decided to move down to Windsor, and uh, ever since uh, it's been it's been it's been it's been nice, you know. I actually didn't even uh, know that I wasn't documented till like I hit high school, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was when I was trying to apply for my first job. You know, a lot of I saw a lot of my friends applying to jobs and working at grocery stores, working with their parents' businesses or whatever. And so I was like, well, I want to make some money. You know, people are enjoying the things they get. And I wanted to feel that way, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to experience that. And so I actually applied to a, a grocery store. They called me and everything. 
I got the interview. Everything went well. And so it got to the point where um, the interviewer was like, well, do you have a social security number, this and that? And I was like, I honestly don't even know what that is, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, she's like, I'm sure your parents, like, know about it and, you know, just come back uh, in the next day and, you know, provide us that and we can get you started on the job. And so I go home and uh, I tell my mom, I was like, mom, I got the job. Like, you won't believe it. Like, I'm going to be working at a grocery store. You know, it's going to be like a good start for me and stuff. Mm -hmm. And here comes like the bad news that like I wasn't, uh, that I didn't have a social security number, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what do you mean I don't have one? And she's like, well, you're not as gifted as the other people out there, you know? And that's, that was like, to me, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to school, like I'm getting good grades. And at least that's what, like what I thought that, you know, was getting me that social security number. But <laughs> in reality, it was, I wasn't born here, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, it was hard, you know, I had to give up the opportunity and that's when DACA came out and uh, I applied for DACA and I was approved. And that was uh, almost like $500 out of my pocket, which was, you know, well worth at the time. And uh, which, you know, that's what got me into my first job and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my first job was at the Home Depot. And, uh, you know, it's like working at a construction site, man. Like, I, I had no idea about, like, the things that, you know, I was dealing with. And so uh, it was hard. Like, I would have to teach myself. And, like, there was a lot of computer work. And, you know, I met a lot of people there and contractors and, you know, people that were working on the daily that would come in early 5 a.m. in the morning to get their stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was it was a good experience, you know. Um, as far as growing up undocumented, it's it's been tough. Um, you know, there's a lot more precaution we got to take, uh, not just as an individual, but like as a family, mm-hmm. you know? And so I try to tell my, my siblings, like, just be careful what you do out there. Like, I know you guys are young, but, uh, keep in mind, like our family, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for the most part, thank God we haven't had to experience any like casualties and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, to be honest, it's been, life has been good for us you know mm-hmm. uh we've we haven't had a lot of downs lately but um one of the things was that my daca was actually denied the last time i uh i went to apply for it oh, dang, and okay. uh that was because i had applied for um yeah so um it ended up getting denied and i ended up losing my job and uh you know i have had this job for almost three years you know and it was mm-hmm you know, something that was flexible with my school and stuff. And, you know, unfortunately they, you know, let me go and stuff, but um, they understood. And they were like, you know, once you get your things in check, uh, you know, you're welcome to come back and we'll have a spot for you. And, you know, what more can I ask for when you already have something saved up online for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's taken a, a big toll on me just because, uh, you know, since I got that guy, I haven't been unemployed, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, jump from one job to another like right away i haven't had any time off and for me to you know be at home all day and not even going to school anymore because school's online it's it's really hard you know it's difficult dang that's crazy so does daca i don't really know much about daca does that help with your schooling too as far as you know financial aid and whatnot yeah so pretty much um daca is like uh it gives you like a social a valid like social security number that you're able to use for like uh, work and then with the social security number it gives you like a work authorization card 
which allows like the employer to like hire you on the job and stuff. And to have DACA, you actually have to be a full-time student. Um, whether you graduate high school, you have to be enrolled in college. And, uh, you know, that's one, of, that's one of the requirements, actually, to be enrolled in school, you know, continue your education. Because, um, you know, a lot of the time they're, they're going to be thinking like, well, we're giving you this opportunity to, you know, uh, get into higher education, find a job, you know, start a career and uh, contribute to society, you know. And if you're not doing one of those things, then it's going to make them think like, well, why do you really need it? You know, you're just going to go back to your old ways. Right. And so um, it's pretty much like a free pass to do what people are already fortunate enough to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think just just hearing all that, I think that's crazy just based on where you are born geographically that affects you know i mean like you were such you were such a young child when you moved over here and you know i was very fortunate that my grandparents both moved my parents at a very young age so i never had experience through that my parents never had experience through that um because you know my grandparents were able to do things a little bit more organized and whatnot but still like i just i think it's crazy i remember you know i think the 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 verbiage has changed, but I remember being a young kid and whether it was on the radio or on TV, they would always talk to people who weren't, uh, they were, they were always talking about undocumented people as illegal aliens. Right. And I remember asking my parents, yeah, like, yeah. what does that mean? Illegal aliens. Cause as a, you know, eight, nine year old, you're like, what, you know, is that from space? <laughs> like, yeah. what are they, are they committing crimes? And they're not doing either. Right. They're just people from other countries that weren't fortunate enough to be born on this specific mark of land but i mean someone like you you come from such a young age you don't even know what life is like back in mexico where your parents are and your family is from so i think it's, yeah. it's, it's that's that's crazy just to hear all that man yeah i mean it's crazy because i've heard a lot about stories who uh you know individuals who have had who weren't born here and you know actually joined the armed forces or the marines or whatever right and, and uh you know once their deployment is over they you know unfortunately get deported like and it's just not right. Like, what is this country doing to, uh, you know, protect those people? Mm-hmm. I think that the conflict is that, like, an individual like myself, if the day of tomorrow I was to get deported to my home country, the government is going to drop me off in Tijuana. I got to find my own way to where I was from, mm-hmm. you know? And um, there's a verse in a song that goes like, I think it goes like, I don't know where I'm going, but I know where I'm from. And, like, mm-hmm. that totally defines, like, you know, the idea of, you know, getting deported, getting sent back to your home country. And, uh, you know, as much as I love my country, as much as I love Mexico and I'm prideful of it, uh, I, I, I don't think I would have the same opportunities that I have here, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to thank the United States for allowing me to uh, pursue a higher education, uh, to be able to obtain a job, to be able to have an income, you know, even if it's not the greatest income, I still have money coming in the, into into my bank, you know, right. into my pockets to be able to provide for my family and stuff, which in Mexico, opportunities like that, they're not available unless you have an education or you're born into wealth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's super ironic, a country that was built on immigration, right? People from different countries in Europe, Ireland, Italy, uh, originally the UK, but, you know, they came here for such a better life. And now because of stupid political reasons, they're not allowing certain people from certain countries too. It's not even just like every country. It's only like particular countries. Mexico is a big one. A lot of people from South and Central America, 
that, you know, they, they got to put limits and you got to jump through hoops. And like, I, you know, I'm always super grateful, like I said, for my grandpa, cause you know, he was able to get most of his kids over or all of his kids over all but one. Um, cause one was born here, but you know, he was able to get all of his kids over with papers. You know, he, he slaved away essentially in the central California fields doing God knows what, you know, he lived that life. So I didn't have to, and so my parents didn't have to, um, but man, it's, it's a country, this was a country built on immigration. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing that they say in the history books. And all of a sudden now in 2020 or, you know, for the last couple decades or so, like they're, they're putting limits on how many people can come in and, you know, what's your purpose and whatnot, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's been crazy to be able to, uh, you know, hear about individuals throughout the news and stuff like that, that aren't really like uh, heard. I think it's, uh, I think the things that have been going on are just plain disgusting uh, it's in a pro it's you know unnecessary you know they're putting little babies in cages and stuff they're uh you know putting in a, in a, a huge amount of people in one place and they're not allowing them to like speak to a legal representative you know they're making them stay there and suffer and you know unfortunately a lot of people have died in detention centers you know mm-hmm. it's uh it's like one of those topics that you know nobody likes to talk about you know just because uh it brings a lot of conflict to the table but um you know like you said this is a country of immigrants you know mm-hmm. back in the 1940s i think was when the bracero program was introduced by the united states right like the government was hiring people from mexico to come work at the agricultural fields because world war ii was going on you know mm-hmm. and so uh it was kind of like you think of it and it's like this is their fault. Like we didn't ask for this. Like yeah. this is something that has been caused by them, you know? So now all of a sudden our people are becoming the blame of all the issues that are going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just not right. You know? mm-hmm. And if you go further back in history too, the U S Mexico war where, you know, Mex- a, a big part of Mexico was large parts of Texas, New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and a large chunk of California were all considered Mexico property. And, you know, the U.S. just kind of said, like, hey, this is ours now, you know, and then, you know, there were some battles fought and stuff like that. But it was it was it's it's like you just look at the history and it's kind of fucked up. It's very it's a very fucked up situation, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're uh, a little bit familiar with like the Native American history and stuff like that. But man, like way before this, this place was like mm-hmm. it was a free land, you know, Yeah, it was uh, owned by the natives and, you know everybody lived like a peaceful life and it wasn't until like people came to invade the country and stuff and they claimed it theirs without you know knowing a lot of it mm-hmm. and so uh, you know first was the natives then the spanish well first was the natives then you know like obviously the 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 spanish that came and conquered and then you know you start getting mixed races because uh back then spanish uh men were you know like raping uh indigenous women you know and so like you get the mestizos and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh that was like a huge group that moved down from like uh you know close to mexico to like california and then they started like splitting up into different areas which then were you know formed as states and um but it's just uh you know it's just crazy to think about how there's a lot of hate towards uh one individual group you know when it's not even like their fault in the beginning you know mm-hmm yeah, and it's just, it's crazy, like, a lot of the Europeans, they did that all over the country, or all over the world, too, right? They didn't just do it here in the Americas, it was also in Africa, and a large part of Black history is stolen and taken away from them through slavery and the things that they did for them, 
you know, it's just, uh, it's like you said, that like divide and conquer mentality. They were able to change and impact so much history just based off of like, you know, hey, this, you know, discovering new land and saying this is ours, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to think about all this, like, uh, you know, in the history books of the United States and stuff, they, you know, when we're, we're, ta- we're taught at like such a young age that at the time it doesn't really like get to our mind, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they explain to us like all the battles that are going on, but th- that's like our people's history, like being looked down upon, you know, told mm-hmm. a differently, different way. And like you said, uh, history is written by the victor, you know, and I like to think uh, in, a, in, a, in a different way, like uh, their lives are written in books while, you know, our truths are, you know, carved in stones. And it's been proven, you know, like, for example, our ancestors have a lot of like, you know, temples down in mm-hmm. Mexico and stuff. And it tells a lot of stories, you know, even though like we don't really understand what a lot of the symbols mean. It's a huge, like significant meaning to to where we come from and stuff. Right. Yeah. Just because we didn't have a or our ancestors didn't have a written language, per se, like the English or Spanish or whatever that the Europeans were using. They were still very advanced technology, technological mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the pyramids, you look at some of the temples that they had, it all had to do with astrology. You could tell that they were studying astronomy and different, you know what I mean? They weren't just like these, like I said, savage beasts that were very dumb. Like they had a lot of people that were yeah. smart in their cultures too. And I, one thing I will say about like mainstream society, as far as like Columbus Day, like that's a big one. I don't know if it's official yet, but I know a lot of people are starting to push for that movement of calling it Indigenous Day, right? Versus yeah. when I was a kid, it was like Columbus Day, Columbus Clay. And then like, I feel like at one point or another, when I was in middle or high school, you know, they found out, they didn't find out, they always knew, but I think more and more people <laughs> discovered and, and were like shocked yeah. by what Columbus actually did and, and some of the terrible things that he, he and his people did. And so I think it's great that, you know, we're, we're trying to push the narrative for Indigenous People Day instead of the, the, typ- the typical Columbus Day that was around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. And I think it's actually crazy how, uh, you know, we can reflect like, I'm pretty sure you can reflect back to like our childhood days when it was close to Thanksgiving and stuff. And, you know, they celebrate Abraham Lincoln Day and all this stuff. And, you know, there was little kids going to school dressed as Christopher Columbus, you know, dressed Mm -hmm. as the Native Americans. Uh, You know, you can you can name it. And nowadays, it's just such a political, like, uh, aspect that, like, nobody's kid is down to wear that shit, you know, because, you know, they'll get, they'll get bashed on, you know? Yeah. But um, it's just crazy how, how times have definitely changed the way uh, we used to live back then and how we live it now. Yeah, because I remember even in kindergarten for Thanksgiving, it, it wasn't necessarily a play, but they would teach us, like, oh, you know, like, the pilgrims, right? The the pilgrims whoever the fuck they were pilgrims mm-hmm. and native americans like decided on this thanksgiving day that we're gonna have a meal together and that shit wasn't like that bro there's a <laughs> lot of backstabbing and forcing people out and yeah. killing people when they weren't even looking so it's it's like it's crazy like honest like the united states history is very fucked up but not a lot of people are down to talk about it you know <laughs> yeah uh i mean shit as far as i can remember there was plays that we had to do in school about that shit you know mm-hmm. being all friendly and stuff and man once you look back it's just like <laughs> what the fuck was i doing you know like this is uh totally what it wasn't mm-hmm. and uh i mean if you look at it like the natives were there 
you know, trying to help these individuals that they've never seen before, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, once they taught the, the Spaniards or whatever, um, how to, you know, grow crops and feed themselves, they totally killed off the natives and stuff, you know? Right. And that's just the reality, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So as far as like progressing forward, I mean, what are you, what do you, in your opinion, what are some ideas that this country could do from a political standpoint to kind of just starting with indigenous day or, you know, or it could be wherever, but what ideas do you have as far as to like progress this country forward and kind of erase that, that colonization and that, that narrative that we've had in the United States history? You know, there's many times where let's say it's written by, uh, you know, uh, Chicanos and stuff like that, you know, Latin American people, a lot of our books are banned in, in different schools, you know, and it's sad to see that because yet again, there they are like taking our, you know, our stuff away. Um, you know, but as far as like the whole country and stuff, I think there should be like way more opportunities for individuals who are undocumented. And, you know, and I say that with a thought of, uh, you know, obviously not all undocumented individuals are good people. You know, that's one thing I'm, I'm going to come to a sense because there are a lot of people that, you know, run away from crimes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody is perfect, but the people who actually have been, uh, you know, staying right with this country and don't have bad records, you know, being, uh, you know, contributing to society as much as possible. I think they should be able to be given opportunities that, you know, other people of this, of this country have, for example, you know, a lot of our parents are fortunate enough to get their citizenship, you know, get a green card, get a residency. And um, at the time it's kind of hard to, to acknowledge that once an individual who has been undocumented for so long gets that opportunity, all of a sudden turns their back on their own people, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's sad to see that reality, you know, it's, uh, and you see a lot of the time, you know, a lot of people deny that, but it's the truth. But um you know, there should definitely be uh, more opportunities for undocumented individuals. There should definitely be more uh, teaching about, you know, our cultures and stuff in, in classrooms. And I think a lot of the history books should just be, re- like, rewritten, you know. Um, you know, it's it's about time we stop, like, sugarcoating everything and just actually hit, like, reality for once, you know. Because if we keep feeding our, our seeds, you know, uh, the way we've been feeding them for the past, you know, who who knows how many years, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't even know if we're going to see this country progress or not, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, especially during these times of like coronavirus and stuff under this presidency of Trump, like we've seen a lot of like, you know, I guess you're thinking like, are we really like succeeding in this country? Like, and the people who have been trying to like, you know, keep the ball rolling in, in a positive aspect have, you know, have been put down, have, they've, sh- they've like shut them down into uh you know to the point where they can't even you know keep doing the work that they want to to be able to help individuals out there mm-hmm. but um you know there's a long list of things you can think of you know mm-hmm. um i mainly focus on like undocumented individuals but there are certainly a lot of things that are affecting you know a certain groups of people out there mm-hmm. and that's that's one thing you brought up too and i remember listening to that interview you did for the hip-hop spot podcast is that there's a lot of backstabbing in within our own culture. I know one of my dad's distant cousins, she's like a city council. I don't know exactly what her specific role, but I know she holds a political office at a very local level. And I know he, I don't want to put words in his mouth because he hasn't told me exactly what she's done, but I know he's really upset at her for doing some corrupt things. 
And so it's, you know, ideally the goal would be like, oh, we got to get, you know, people of our kind into positions of power. But then sometimes the power corrupts them and they're not even helping our people or they're, you know, they say they're going to help people. And I, I've seen you post some things too on your story or on your post on Instagram. And it's just like they continuously backstab. They said they're going to promise money and they steal that money yeah. for their own pockets. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of betrayal within our culture. And it's just a, it's a sad thing to see because that's as a, as a culture and ethnicity that's been put down and it's like a minority, that's not the way to go about things. You know, we all have to kind of rise together. We have to be unified if we want to come up together. Yeah. You know and I mean? The battle has always been there, you know, uh, bringing everybody together. Like in the sixties, the Chicano movement, there was a conflict with the word Chicano, you know, because that only defined like the men. And at the time, like there was only men leadership. And then that's when like the women started to come up and, and, you know, uh, the controversy is out there of, you know, whether it's Chicano, Chic Chicana, uh, Chican X, you know, a lot of the, you, you start to see a lot of the X's in Latin X and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, unity has always been an issue with our people, you know, despite the good causes that have been going on for, uh, a lot of years. And it's sad to say that, you know, a lot of the people who are actually down for the movement, like they've changed their ways of thinking over the years, you know? Um, you know, I don't want to bash on, on a Cesar Chavez, but, uh, Cesar Chavez, for example, I'm not going to lie. Growing up, I saw him as an inspiration, you know, mm -hmm. because he had started a movement that was, uh, you know, specifically for farm workers to be able to get out there and get recognized, you know, mm -hmm. get what they deserve for working in the field so hard and also being protective, um, for them, you know, but, uh, over the years, you start to realize that like, you look back and like Cesar Chavez was against like illegal immigration, you know, he actually like uh, put his people out there at the border and they helped like, you know, arrest individuals who were coming over to the United States. And it's just something that like, I guess in my point of view, like it angered me in a little bit because, um, you know, like I'm, like I told you before in the beginning, we get taught our history, but it's obviously not taught the right way. You know, mm -hmm. we're so used to, uh, seeing history, historical individuals as like glorified, you know, we're so used to like glorifying everybody out there. And once you really grow and, uh, you know, um, teach yourself individually, like you start to understand, like not everything is a pretty picture, you know, Dang. but, um, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know about that. Cesar Chavez it reminds me, I took a history of Africa class in college and they would talk, they, they, in that class, they did mention that there was a lot of bigger African tribes that would work with the, the Dutch or the English people, and they would capture other people of small African tribes and sell them off to be slaves. So that kind of just reminds you of like people of similar culture, people of, you know, eventually, you know, they're all minorities now, but you know, it's like people yeah. ratting out other people and putting them in bad positions, man. That's what it reminded me of is like, fuck, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's tough. You know, you start to realize, like, you know, once you grow older, like, damn, was I really getting taught, like, all these lies in class and stuff? And, yeah. uh, you know, at the time, it's just all about uh, you're, you're focused on getting your good grades and stuff, obviously, you know. And um, it's just it goes to show us, like, a huge lesson, you know, like, uh, we're just taught the totally opposite way from, you know, what we're actually supposed to be getting taught in schools and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine, like, what the younger generations are getting taught in classes now, you know, kind of gets you yeah. thinking. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I can imagine the whole curriculum, even in five to 10 years now. And I don't know if you ever plan on having kids, but like myself, you know, hopefully in the next 10 years, I can have some kids of my own. I can just yeah. imagine like the whole curriculum is going to be very different. I, at least I hope so. At least I hope there are people who are trying to make change and teach things the right way. If there is a right way, but a, just a more progressive way, I guess, in ways of the past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just one thing about that, I, I kind of want to just put out there that uh, during my senior year, I actually uh, ran like a, a group organization, a student organization at my, at my high school. And, and uh, at the time we were pushing for uh, uh, what's it called ethnic studies mm -hmm. to be implemented into like the, the school curriculum. And then uh, I think like maybe two, three years ago, they actually passed a law to, in California to be able to teach, uh, you know, ethnic studies in, in high school courses and stuff like that, which really wasn't like an option for students back then. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I can take a lot of pride in that, you know, because all the effort and all the work we've done has actually been paid for. And it's, uh, you know, I'm happy to, you know, be able to give that to students who are, uh, you know, growing up in high school now and stuff. So it's a huge accomplishment for that. No, yeah, that's super dope to hear because you were part of something. You were part of the, uh, what do they call it, like the groundwork, the foundation of something that eventually was able to get fixed. And that's that's the beautiful thing about this country is that if enough people do put their minds together, I mean, there's we have that freedom to protest and we have that freedom to actually, you know, all, all these laws that are currently in existence, they're all capable of changing. I mean, look at like marijuana, you know, for a long, long, long yeah. time, people were so anti-anti-marijuana, but now it's California, it's legal for both medically and recreationally, and it's starting to spread to every other state too. So, you know, everything is capable of change. You just got to, you know, start at the ground level and work our way up. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, it's been seen. Uh, I can't tell you how many dispensaries uh, are around here and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy it to think, uh, it's crazy to think about all this stuff that, uh, it's now like open to people, you know, and individuals yeah. who, you know, would have thought like, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Just cause, just, just cause I remember going back to the dispensary thing. I mean, I remember being 18, 19 out of high school and you could get like a recreational, not a, I forgot what it was called. You had to get like a medical card to be able to use and to go to dispensaries to pick up. And I remember yeah. dude, most of the dispensaries were like in back alleys, all sketched out. And a lot of times I had never been at a dispensary when it was got, had gotten raided. But now to see the dispensaries now, there's like, it looked like dental offices, you know, that has like magazines, <laughs> they, they, you know, they buzz you in, you're behind a glass counter. And it's like, it's a trip, man. Cause I just remember, you know, being fresh out of high school, going to dispensaries, being all scared, like, you know, that cops were going <laughs> to yeah. raid this place. And now it's like super, like anyone can go in and you're just like, fuck, this is in a span of seven, eight years. Yeah, and it's it's crazy how like innovative they've they've become, you know, like uh, shit, man. Like all of these dispensaries are going mobile now, you know, and you know they deliver to your front door for uh, you know, all these other things, and it's just crazy, you know. Like definitely times have changed over the few years, and it's uh, you know, it's it's something new to us, you know. So mm -hmm. yeah. So transitioning to present day for the year twenty twenty, what are some other goals that you? want to be able to accomplish at the end of this year? Well, having that said, I think right now it's kind of difficult because of like the whole situation everybody's going through, you know, mm -hmm. but I can definitely see some goals out there. Um, you know, definitely to get the podcast rolling more, um, get more content on there, uh, 
you know, try to familiarize myself with, uh, you know, having the courage of actually reaching out to folks and, you know, interviewing them. Cause I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm kind of shy about that. You know, I'm not really oh, yeah. uh, the, the outgoing type of person, you know, mm-hmm. but um, definitely working on the podcast and getting out there more. And uh, you know, I think the first thing for me would be to finish school strong. I only have about, you know, summer and the next semester after that. And, you know, hopefully after that I can transfer to a university. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as that goes, you know, other than that it would just be to get like my work permit again you know be able to get an income again uh be able to help my parents and uh also in june i'm moving out with uh with my girlfriend so that's going to be like a new adventure for me you know it's going to be a a new experience for me to you know be able to pay rent and uh you know it's going to be a trip but i think it'll be a uh, something to experience like something really good to experience and um you know just having everybody healthy taking care of everybody Mm -hmm. yeah and i'll I'll just you know like offer a little bit of advice it is very scary sometimes to like ask people and a lot of times it's just like emails and and dms or just like maybe shooting a text uh, text message to someone that knows someone but you know i feel it it is a big risk like don't don't get me wrong like i'll get really scared when i message people to be on the show but man, if they do respond back and you do able to get them on the show, it's like a, it's a huge, like, to me, it's a big, like thrill of excitement, almost like you just got off a roller coaster. And then when you do get to actually record with that person, you're like, damn, like that, yeah, I made that happen. I made that possible. Like, you know, sometimes, so, you know, you'll every, every now and then, like for sure, I'll get on a streak of like 50 no's and, but then I'll get that one yes. And that one yes is bigger than the 50 people I asked before. And it's just like, all right, well then, that shit almost outweighs itself kind of. So, you know, just, you know, continue to be, put yourself out there. Cause I think the message that you're trying to spread is, uh, you know, really great. And needs to be heard by more people. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, likewise to you, um, you know, you have a huge amount of episodes out there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, you know, to be honest, it's impossible for me to, you know, get, uh, listening to all like 100 yeah. and something of them, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, props to you, man, props to you because, uh, you you know one out of five five uh, times i'm on my phone or whatever you know mm-hmm. and it's a it's a sign of, of of motivation for me you know to be able to get out there more and dream and you're 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 making it happen you know you're putting it out there for people and uh you know it brings joy to you you know it brings uh excitement like you said it's something that uh is only yours and because it's only yours it's special you know mm-hmm. so props to you man huge respect hey appreciate that man before we end this show i do like to ask a couple fun questions at the end just to help the listeners get to know you a little bit more if you could have any kind of toppings on a pizza what would they be i'm kind of just like an original guy man just uh you know uh it would be like pepperoni sausage okay mushroom pepper uh just typical original um combo all right <laughs> yeah all right sounds good sounds good if you could have any kind of exotic pet what would it be i think for this one it would have to be like a jaguar or something you know oh okay that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. It would. if you could go to any time period in history what time period would you want to go visit i think for me it would have to be during during like the times of like the Mexican revolution or something, you know, mm. there's just something about that time that like, 
I would have wished I would have been out there with like Pancho E or something and Leon Zapata, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, yeah, that'd be actually really cool to see, uh, huh? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. If you could talk to any person, dead or alive, or multiple people, who would they be? I think uh, for me, it would be someone personal, someone, uh, for example, like my uncle that I lost, you know, at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when I lost him, it was like I lost half of myself, you know. And so I would want to go back and try to get to, uh, you know, recover all the time that's been lost. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any like dream vacation spots, places that you want to visit for sure? To be honest, like I want to go back where I came from, you know, uh, I want to get to know like my family and, uh, you know, the land, you know, going back to uh, to the place that, I, you know, I was born in. I think it's uh, a beautiful thing. And uh, just to be able to reconnect with that side of the, of the world and stuff. But um, for me, it's kind of just, uh, you know, small and personal and trying to gain that, like, uh, that feeling of being home again, you know? Yeah. Now, last one. If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? think i would have you know told myself since the beginning like just to get on the right track you know uh i grew up with uh not not as not as not as much as a friendly environment around me you know and uh i was influenced by the wrong people and you know i made mistakes and i think that now that i look back it's like I should have, you know, paid more attention to my, to what I actually wanted to do, not what I was influenced by, you know, and, um, you know, just make it better for myself. Cause if I could go back, I would definitely go back and, you know, restart, you know, a few things in my life so that, um, you know, I would end up being, you know, maybe someone better than what I am, you know, but, uh, you know, right now I'm fortunate, you know, where I am and how I've shaped myself and the people that I've surrounded myself with, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, mad love and respect for the people that have you know kept up with me and you know whether it's a friend or a family and uh, you know there's a lot of love out there so so yeah oh man really really appreciate you again for hopping on the show uh, real quick too if you could plug your instagram where the people can listen to your podcast and anything else you want to plug yeah so um the podcast is the palarasa podcast on instagram and um you know usually i'll just post a one of the main things is like you know the the recordings i put out there some of the episodes there's a little bit of a history that i like to share about our culture and stuff and um yeah i mean just uh you know for other people who you know already follow me or whatever um you know it'd be an honor for you to you know come on the show and you know share your story and you know from now on you know i'll I'll come up with some questions and maybe i can have you noah on uh, one of my episodes and stuff and you know speak about your life and stuff Hey, that'd be dope. Yeah, a little, uh, what do they call that, like in TV, cross crossover? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be tight. All right, appreciate that, man. Boom, Noah Alvarez back here in action to wrap things up for episode 104. Don't forget to check out Chuy Juarez's podcast, Balarasa Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcast platforms. And if you really like the conversation between Chuy and myself, well, be sure to leave a rating and a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Hit that follow or subscribe button if you're listening on other platform. 
And, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you just shoot the link to a friend, uncle, tia, abuelo, abuela, whoever listens to podcasts you think may like this show or another episode, too, in the past in my archive of my library, whatever you want to call it. I'd really appreciate any support with the podcast that I can get. Don't forget to follow the My Mike and I Instagram page at my period Mike and period I. Also follow me on Twitter for some great sports takes. I also share a lot of my articles there too at underscore Noah Alvarez. I write for a website right now, LockerRoomSportsCA.com. I actually well, I played a big part of starting that with Max Farius and Carl, who I produced their show, Rocks in the Outfield. It's another podcast too that is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So man, I'm, I'm going all in on the podcast thing. All in on the writing thing. Still working two jobs. Man, I'm just trying to do as best as I can out here to provide quality content for you guys. And like I said, man, I would really appreciate any support I can get with the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hope you guys enjoy and continue to strive towards your goals. Remember, chase your dreams, never chase checks. With that said, I'm Noah Alvarez signing off. Till next time.